section 26 of Mars and its Canals. This is a LibreFox recording. All LibreFox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibreFox.org. Chapter 24, Canal Development, Individually Instanced. As an interesting instance of the law of development, we may take the career of the Brontes during this same Martian year. The Brontes witnessing individually to the same evolutionary process that the canals collectively exhibit. The Brontes is one of the most imposing canals upon the planet. It is not so much its length which renders it a striking object, though this length is enough to entitle it to consideration, being no less than 2,440 miles. Its direction is what singles it out to notice, for it runs almost north and south. For this reason, it swings into a position to hold the center of the stage for a time with the precision of a meridian, as the planet's rotation turns its longitude into view. The points which it connects help also to add to its distinction, for the sinus titanum at its southern end and the propontis at its northern are both among the conspicuous points of the disk. The latter is but 12 degrees farther east than the former, while it is 66 degrees farther north. This long distance, from nearly the line of the tropics in the southern hemisphere to mid-temperate regions of the northern, the canal runs in an absolutely straight course. Its north and south character commands it for any investigation of canal development, since it runs in the general direction that development takes. Its great latitudinal stretch further fits it for a record of changes sweeping down the disk, so that both in direction and length it stands well circumstanced for a measure of latitudinal variations. The fact that it is usually a fairly conspicuous canal does not detract from its virtue in this respect. It was first recognized at Flagstaff in 1894, but once realized, so to speak, it was possible to identify it with a canal seen by Scaparelli and supposed by him to be the Titan. Indeed, it played hide-and-seek with that canal throughout his drawings. In 1894, both it and the Titan were so well seen that its separate existence was unmistakable, causing it to be both recognized and named. It is, like the Titan, one of the sheaf of canals descending the disk from the sinus titanium, and lies just to the east of the Titan in the bunch. In 1896, it was also prominent, and at both these oppositions, most so from its southern end, its northern one being more or less indefinite especially in 1894. In 1901, it was not the same. Instead of being the conspicuous canal it had been in earlier years, it was now so faint as with difficulty to be made out. It remained so to the close of observations. It was now under suspicion. Its behaviour in 1896 to 1897 had led to the supposition that not only were seasonal changes taking place in it, but that those changes were such as to point to a law in the case with which its conduct in 1901 fade in. The suspicion did not, however, become a certainty till the opposition of 1903. The length of time during which the disk was then kept under scrutiny resulted in the method of its metamorphosis being discovered.
At the very start of observations, its longitude chanced to be nearly central and it was made out. But so far off was the planet that only its northern part could be detected, because, as afterward appeared, this part was the stronger, the canal being decidedly inconspicuous, whereas other canals, the northern and even the Pauline and this, were strongly marked. At the next presentation, the planet was nearer, and details previously hidden for the distance now came out. Among them was the Brontes, which showing better than in January, could be traced all the way to the Sinus Titanum. A drawing made on February 25 and reproduced in the test shows its appearance at the time. Its emergence under neared conditions only served to accentuate its relative inconspicuousness, for it showed now notably inferior to the northern canals, and this not only in the matter of general visibility, but in the character it displayed. It was a line of hazy definition, contrasting thus with the sharp dark forms of its northern neighbours. As the planet steadily approached the earth, and the canals to the north became better and better seen, the Brontes, instead of sharing in the general improvement, did exactly the opposite. It grew less visible when it should have grown more so. If distance had been the cause of its appearance, it was now only to be seen at the north, even when it was seen at all, a state of things exemplified in drawings 2 and 3. As the planet now went away and details should have dimmed, the Brontes proceeded to do the opposite. One had almost said it was actuated by a spirit of contrariety. For now, when it had risen to grow faint, it grew inconspicuousness, just as before, when it should have become evident, it had declined. Distinctly, farther off and smaller as the planet was at the next presentation, the Brontes had clearly developed both in tone and in the amount of its visible. This was in May, drawings 4 and 5. In June, bad seeing prevented good observations, but in July, during 6, when the region again came round, the Brontes, in spite of the then greatly increased distance, asserted itself so strongly that even in not very good seeing, its presence could not be passed by. This contrariety of behaviour had about it one very telling feature, that the canal west weighed in exact opposition to distance and even towards the last to seeing too showed conclusively that neither distance nor definition could in any way be held responsible for its metamorphosis. A very fortunate circumstance, this of the observations, for it directly eliminated size of disc, face and seeing, for which correction are none too easy to make, and which in the minds of the sceptical could always remain as unexplained possibilities of error. The mean canal cartouches show synthetically, and all the more conclusively for being composite, the laws of the floods of the canals. Something more of vividness, however, is imparted by the actual look of one of the constituents during the process. It is the difference between seeing a composite picture made from a given group of men and the gazing on the actual features of any one of them. So much is gained by the drawings across the page of the Brontes at different stages of its evolution during the period here concerned. But in another way too, the one canal may be made to yield a more lifelike representation of the process than the number taken together are capable of affording. In the mean canal cartouches, each canal is treated as an entity, 
but it is possible to consider a canal by parts, and by so doing to see it in action as it were. It occurred to me to treat the bontes in this way. For this purpose, I divided the canal into sections, five of them in all, between the point where it left the propontis, at a spot called the propopontis, to where it ended in the sinus titanum. The first, the most northern, extended as far as Samnan Lucas, the southernmost outpost of the propontis congeries of spots. The second continued on from these to Elian, the junction where the Erebus crossed. The third thence to Utopia, where the canal met the Orcus. The fourth to an arbitrary point in latitude 8 degrees south, and the fifth and last to the Sinus Titanum. The lengths of these sections were respectively 12 degrees, 16 degrees, 15 degrees, 12 degrees, and 13 degrees. Each of the sections was then treated as if it were a separate canal and its cartouche found. To the cartouche's determination, there were available drawings. January 21 to 25, 12 drawings. February 23 to March 2, 15 drawings. March 28 to April 5, 14 drawings. April 26 to May 8, 27 drawings. June 3 to 16, 6 drawings. July 11 to 21, 16 drawings, 90 drawings in all. The cartouches are given in the plate opposite, which is constructed precisely like the one for the mean canal cartouches presented on page 298. The mid-latitude of the section and its mid-longitude are given in the margin with its description. Examining them now, we note a family resemblance between the successive cartouches. All sink slowly on the left to rise sharply from their lowest point to the right. Such resemblance betokens the action of one and the same course. Next, although the curves are resemblant, each has been, as it were, sheared to the right as one reads down. That is, the action took place later and later as the latitude was north. Lastly, the dying out of a previous impulse can be traced in the cartouches which shows that the canals were quickened six months previously from the south polar cap, as they were now being quickened from the north polar one. End of section 26